0: welcome to the Witch Hut. I'm your host, Chelsea Martinez, and I'm here to make your day a little more magical. Happy first week of spring! How's it feeling? Did you celebrate Ostara? And are you glad to be out of Pisces season? As a quick aside, you might be able to hear the work that's currently being done in the apartment below mine. It's not a ghost, it's just construction. This week, I didn't really do too much that was new, but I did get to light up my altar for the first time in almost a month, which felt incredible. It's very easy to discount the value of simple practices, but they can have a profound effect on your emotional well-being. If you're having a rough time, it might be worthwhile to try something spiritual, even just for a few minutes. I don't think that it's a cure-all, but I also don't think it would leave you feeling worse. And who knows, it might be the thing that helps you feel at least a little bit healthier. This past week, we just welcomed the Sun into Aries, which marks the beginning of our solar year. Aries is the cardinal fire sign and is ruled by Mars. Aries is known for having a hot temper and an impulsive nature fiery influences combined with mars means that aries is associated with anything and i do mean anything that gets your heart racing and your blood pumping aries loves a risky situation and to test their own limits As the first sign of the zodiac, Aries can be considered the most childlike. Aries tends to have a very youthful energy, and they are the type of people who get older, but don't necessarily grow up. Even mature Aries will have a very strong connection with their inner child, and love to play without inhibition. Aries can be hot-headed and lack impulse control, and sometimes they need a more level-headed friend to ground them. They can be intensely passionate, but don't always have the longest attention span. Aries are people who bring the party with them wherever they go, and even less extroverted Aries will still be very charming and charismatic. They're usually loud, exciting people, Although, being a person who is generally well-liked can turn Aries into a people-pleaser when they think they may have to let someone down. Aries tends to be a very honest person. What you see is what you get. Typically, they will also be protective of the people they care about, although they can be a little dense about sensitive emotions, no matter how well-meaning they are. During Aries season, it's a great time to get in touch with your own inner daredevil. It's time to take a risk. Although I have a Virgo stellium in my own chart, so I can't help but advise that you make sure that's a carefully measured, safe risk. Do something that makes you nervous and excited. It's also a good time to boost your heart rate and do something physical or at the very least quite exciting. This is also a good time to let your inner child out to play. A night spent watching your childhood favorites and eating the snacks you always asked for but never got to have as a kid is a fun way to do this. But you can also play a game or do something else that makes you drop your adultiness recently a friend of mine made a post in a discord server i frequent and they were asking how to go about possibly mixing pantheons when you have heritage from more than one place this is something that is very near and dear to my heart as an eclectic witch who has a multi-ethnic heritage and lives in what is essentially a big melting pot of a city so today we're talking about building an eclectic and satisfying spiritual practice Before we begin, I want to clarify a few viewpoints that I personally hold, which definitely impact the way I feel about piecing together your spiritual practice as opposed to finding a tradition and making that work for you. First, I'm speaking as someone living in the U.S. in a city with no ancestral ties to the land that I'm currently on. And like I said, my heritage comes from more than one place, so if we were all suddenly sent back to wherever our ancestors came from, I would either be sent to multiple places or I'd be stuck in some kind of liminal space. So, for me, although I do appreciate the idea of tradition, I'm not really living in the traditional world and so my personal view is that a lot of the traditional ways of practicing are not necessarily concerns for me. I'm not a farmer, but I still celebrate the sabbats that are traditionally dictated by agriculture, you know? Don't get me wrong, a lot of the loss of traditional witchcraft can be considered a tragedy as it was forcibly removed and permanently erased from history. And speaking of history... As a Bernadette Banner fan, I want to echo her statement that perfect historical accuracy is impossible. We don't know exactly what happened with witches in the past, what they felt, or how they did or didn't experiment with other traditions. We do know that, A, they probably would not have called themselves witches to begin with, And B, they absolutely did not have the wonderful and virtually limitless access to information that we have today. So what is traditional is inherently going to be defined by what was accessible. Centuries ago, you wouldn't mix pantheons or try out a different method of worship because you didn't know that those things existed across the ocean from you and your village that you and the previous 10 generations of your family were born in, lived in, and died in. I'm not saying that I think this gives you carte blanche to appropriate cultures, especially when they've been marginalized. I'm saying that it means that the concept of tradition should be looked at with a critical eye. My personal viewpoint in a nutshell is that although I do believe in things like spirits and deities, I personally believe that what we know as a deity is something of an expression of something much larger than we can wrap our little human minds around. I believe that a lot of what we interact with when we work with deities are archetypes, and that makes it possible for us mere mortals to have some kind of contact with some little piece of the divine. I do think it's interesting to note that many people find these archetypes to behave in similar ways, such as how Hekate is often said to enjoy sweets or to appear as a very small woman, when that's not necessarily part of her archetypal mythology. Basically, my point is that although I don't think this means you can recklessly offend deities, it also means that I feel what we experience as the divine is a relatively small personification of something incomprehensibly large. For this reason, I feel comfortable mixing pantheons, although that has guidelines I follow in order to be respectful. So why choose an eclectic path? Well, like I said, in my opinion, the idea of tradition is kind of an illusion in a lot of ways. I don't know how a witch a thousand years ago would have reacted to having the entire internet at their fingertips. I do know that having access to knowledge opens up doors that witch never even knew existed and were closed to them. I know that there seems to be a standard for what is traditional that isn't necessarily rooted in anything other than what feels romantic enough. But things that aren't strictly traditional also include electricity, indoor plumbing, and buildings more than a single story high, yet those aren't ever brought up as too modern to be magical. So if what we're all doing anyway is picking and choosing, why not do that picking and choosing in a way that is intentional, ethical, and responsible? It's important to me that I emphasize that your eclectic path should be something that is intentional, ethical, and responsible. When I say that, I mean that you need to go through the magical world in a way that is respectful and not appropriative. This isn't a buffet where everything on the table is fair game. There are going to be things that are simply not open to outsiders, and there are also going to be things that aren't really meant to be used in an eclectic way, so it's important to thoroughly investigate new practices before you add them to your magical life. And don't forget. Some things just don't mix and match. If you set up an altar where one of your deities belongs to one culture and another belongs to a culture of the nation that invaded that land, that's not necessarily the most ethical way to go about it. This can be tricky. Like I said, I'm ethnically mixed, and one of the cultures in my ancestry did invade and colonize another culture that's also in my ancestry, and it can be difficult to figure out exactly what I feel that means for me. I've personally found that when I talk to my deities or to my spirits, I receive an answer, which sounds like such a cop-out, but that's kind of where I've found ways to begin to figure out where my lines are drawn. I don't think there's a single answer. The answer for you might be separate altars or separate practices, or you might find that if you see two very similar deities in both cultures, working with both of them might bridge that gap for you. In my own unverified personal gnosis, I found that deities that work for the same things often have enough in common that they'll work together. That's not always the case, but if you talk with them respectfully, they can guide you to a more comfortable place. That could mean that there are boundaries on your altar. It could mean that each one is venerated in different specific ways at a different time. Or it could mean that one steps forward as your matron or patron and the other is a more sporadic presence in your life. It can be easy to think that an eclectic practice means that there are no rules and everything goes. To me, having an eclectic practice means that there are still rules, but you'll have to figure those out for yourself. One of my rules is that I don't work with anything masculine And I figured that out very early on because there were a lot of messages in dreams and in readings that very clearly told me that the divine masculine, no matter how noble or positive, wasn't allowed in my altar or in my practice. Now, the way that I'm saying that, I realize that that sounds a lot like I received some kind of spiritual rule from above, but actually that came after I had a lot of questions about whether or not it felt right to reach out to a few gods along with the goddesses I had been working out with. And the answer was, a clear and resounding nope and that feels most correct for me. Your rules might be very different, and one of the best and most difficult parts of eclectic witchcraft is that you have to figure them out with less guidance than you might have in a more traditional path. And because you don't have that same level of guidance, it's important to be intentional when you choose what is part of your practice. Traditional witchcraft would teach you practices that form a cohesive system, and sometimes eclectic practices can turn into several unrelated bits of spirituality that don't really have much in common and don't support each other or work together well. This is where it's important to put in the work to figure out your own unverified personal gnosis, which is spiritual belief gained through personal experiences or intuition. On the surface, eclectic witchcraft might seem more relaxed, but it takes a lot of deep personal work to cobble together a truly satisfying spiritual practice. Your unverified personal gnosis is more or less what your eclectic practice would be based on. Something that a lot of witches struggle with is second-guessing themselves, and part of creating your unverified personal gnosis is that you have to push past that place of doubt and be willing to question yourself and accept the answers. Divination can be really helpful because often in readings you can get answers that confirm something for you while also offering a perspective you didn't see before. Journaling is also helpful because recording your experiences and investigating them can help you process your feelings and figure out what those experiences mean to you. I also like to intentionally open myself to messages in dreams and I've gotten a lot of my unverified personal gnosis from dream work. While I don't think it's good to always approach spirituality with an eye for what you can get out of it, I still like to go in with a goal in mind. Ask yourself, why would you want to pursue an eclectic path over a traditional one? Is it because you have a certain special interest that you want to center your practice around? Is it because you want to find something that allows you a little more freedom to explore beyond just one path? Or is it because an eclectic path makes sense with your life and the kind of which community, or lack thereof, around you? Understanding your own motivation can help you decide what would be most beneficial for your eclectic path when it's time to decide where to explore and what will be a good addition to your practice instead of something that doesn't fit so well. I have a few reasons why I prefer an eclectic path. First, I am happily a solitary practitioner and a lot of witchcraft traditions are meant to be shared in a community. Personally, I felt like not having that community involvement meant that I wasn't really experiencing that path the way it was meant to be. Second, I am not the biggest fan of organized religion and a lot of witch traditions have problematic roots because they're founded by human beings who may not always have the best intentions or who do not behave in ways that i would want to follow i also feel that a lot of valuable things exist on the periphery of more popular traditions because over time religions shift and change just like everything else and things that were once vibrant parts of the tradition became more and more minor until they're lost completely eclectic witchcraft can give me the freedom to explore these things I'm not here to say that traditional witchcraft is bad. On the contrary, there are lots of things that I really like about traditional witchcraft, and I think that following a specific tradition can give you a great source of guidance and community. I'm here to say that I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about eclectic witchcraft and what exactly that means. Eclectic witchcraft is not a free-for-all that gives you license to eschew ethics or responsibility. It's not meant to give you permission to take things that don't belong to you or to indiscriminately mix things that have complicated or traumatic histories. What Eclectic can give you is the opportunity to fully explore what the universe means to you and to learn to value your own unverified personal gnosis. Eclectic witchcraft also gives you the opportunity to learn to hold yourself personally accountable to your own ethics, which is something that I think is often overlooked in religion. I think that the beauty of eclectic witchcraft is that you have the chance to get really deep into yourself and your heart and your soul. If you're interested in exploring an eclectic path, there are a few things I'd recommend as you get started. First, get a journal. This is probably the most important step. Get yourself a journal and write about your experiences as a witch and how they make you feel and what you think of them. Sometimes a witch journal is a companion to a book of shadows, and it might be called a book of mirrors. You're working with your unverified personal gnosis, and that means you'll need to record that somehow. Second, I always recommend having a very basic altar setup and some type of routine spiritual practice that you know will work for you. Something that traditional witchcraft has that an eclectic path may not is the comfort of some type of routine. Now, routine isn't everything and you should ideally go beyond what's routine, but there's a reason why a person might stick with the religion in which they were raised. Familiarity can feel really nice and there's no reason why an eclectic witch should be deprived of that familiarity and its associated comfort. Sometimes picking a certain scented candle or aromatherapy spray can help create a mood that immediately feels spiritual, or you can pick out a special fragrance to wear only during spiritual practice. A chant can be great if you like chanting or even a playlist of music that is meant to put you in a magical mindset. This can go beyond just a regular practice and you can build traditions for yourself to honor the lunar or solar cycles, changing seasons, or anything else that you feel like celebrating. Lastly, the Eclectic Witch will almost always be a solitary practitioner but that doesn't mean you have to cut yourself off from other witches entirely. There's no reason not to try to share knowledge, experience, or even recommendations with other witches, and one of the best things about an eclectic path is that you're able to learn alongside witches from so many other walks of life. The internet is wide and vast if you don't have a big witch community local to you, and there are tons of other witches in the world looking for a sense of community and shared experience. Today, I'm using the Everyday Witch Tarot, which I've reviewed before, but the images of a bright and robust witch community living their lives is exactly what I want for my happy place right now. I'm also intentionally choosing not to cave to the inner pressure I feel to always bring out a new deck because I think that a lot of witchy content creators inadvertently push a collector's mentality, which can lead to fixating only on whatever is new. I'm a deck collector myself, and I think it's important to enjoy using your collection as much as you enjoy building it. That being said, I usually have a few favorites in heavy rotation at a given time, and although those cycle in and out, the Everyday Witch never stays in my tarot cupboard for very long. Our card today is the Two of Wands. This is what happens after the initial spark of inspiration. What do you do with that? This card refers to making plans and preparing for next steps and expansion. Plans are great and all, but underneath that, the Two of Wands is really about making decisions and preparing to leave your comfort zone. If you want to follow through with an idea, eventually you'll have to commit to something and the two of wands is meant to be that intermediary time between an amazing idea and real change happening in your life and with that we're at the end of our time here in the witch hut keep up with the podcast on instagram at the witch hut pod or follow me at chelsea the witch for all things witchy and whatever else If you have a question you want answered on the show or a topic you'd like me to explore, feel free to reach out to me at either Instagram. And until next time, stay safe, healthy, and magical.